0: Performance Plus presents the Summit Club Podcast, your business roundtable discussion for sales and business leaders, with your host, Bill Statz. Welcome to the SummitClubPodcast.com, a business roundtable. I'm your host, Bill Statz, and let's have an open forum today. Let's talk a little bit about improvement. What's that look like, guys? Performance improvement, personal life improvement. What are we talking about?
1: Um, I'll start off because I love going first. Um, so I had a situation, uh, and it's happened to me more than once uh, in the workplace, where involving somebody who worked for me. So I would get into work, say, 7, 7.30, and um, this person would already be there, which you think off the top, well, that's good, this uh, really dedicated, hard worker. Then I'd leave at night, 6, 6.30, and uh, this person would, would still be there. And if I asked the person you know, what are, they, uh, what are their plans that night, well, they were going out with clients and they had things two or three nights a week, uh, and they were probably coming in on the weekend because they had some more work to do. And I thought about that, and since at one point I did the job this person is doing, my first thought was, well, he must be way better at it than me because he's spending an awful lot more time <laughs> doing it. And then I thought, no, you don't need, it's, it's not an easy job, but you don't need to dedicate, you're a sales manager, your people aren't there on Saturday. Uh, and if you're going out every single night, uh, your salespeople will be happy to drag you out. But what kind of life do, does that, that lead for you? So I brought him in, and I, I, I addressed some of my concerns. And he said it wasn't a problem. You know, he, he, he was fine doing it. And he wasn't spending too much time doing it. And I said to him, so if I wanted to, to do, uh, have a lunch with you, a business lunch next uh, Wednesday at noon, we good? And he pulls up his calendar. And he goes, no, no, I've got, a, I've got like an appointment at 12. That's a bad, bad day for me. And I said, well, is there a good day for you next week to do this? And he said, uh, after looking, no, I'm jammed all next week. I said, all right. I said, so I'm going to ask you to do something that you're really, really not going to want to do. And he said, what's that? I said, I want you to keep a calendar for the next two weeks of all your appointments and all the time you spend working. At the end of two weeks, we're going to review it because I think you can spend your time I think your time can be better spent doing other things, and I don't think it's necessary to dedicate all these hours to work. Takes away from your home life, takes away from a lot of things that I would argue you should be doing. So he said, okay. And in two weeks, I called him in. I said, let's see what you got. He said to me, I was too busy. Wow. Gee, a classic. (laughs) Well Rick, perfect coaching opportunity. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Apparently I didn't do such a good job. (laughs) Well, you never
2: know when the coaching opportunities are going to arise and, and when you need to jump into that role. But we often find when you're coaching, you've got situational coaching, that's what you just ran into, a situation needed improvement, correction, direction. Then you have aspirational coaching. Don't you love it when somebody in your organization comes to you and says, I need to improve a particular part of my performance? and How can I get some coaching, whether it's
0: internal or external, to achieve that goal? What do you guys think? So here it's kind of funny that it's pretty obvious of what our topic is for today. It's coaching. And uh, in many cases, we don't recognize the opportunities. And if we do, we're not really sure. How am I going to go about it? Because it's not training. It's not education. Coaching is all about feedback. And uh, it's more about listening than it is telling. And why are we doing it? We're doing it to help people improve. Professionals are coached all the time. There's very few sport right now, including bicycle marathon riding stuff. I just read in the paper the other day, a woman has a coach riding alongside her to give her cadence and feedback. and whatever. So today we want to talk about coaching. Uh, the real opportunities, what do they look like, and how do we move forward? It's not an intellectual exercise. This is an actual rubber-on-the-road improvement activity that can help you grow yourself and grow the folks that you are coaching. So, we're here with Rick, John, JT. Let's dive into some situations and take them apart. Well, before we get
3: started, if someone's listening, how do they know if they even need a business coach to begin with? Is it something where they keep finding themselves on probation, they keep stubbing their toe one way or another, they find themselves, like Rick just talked about, I'm at work 80 hours a week and I couldn't tell you what I did. How
1: do they know if they even need to, to get involved with this? Well, a lot of them don't know, which exactly. is part of the problem. The, the ones that come to you who know they need it and ask for it, they're, they're easy. The ones who, who don't really understand that they need a coach are the ones that are a little bit more difficult. Because I think anyway, uh, if you don't know that you need a coach and your, your uh, manager suggests to you that you do need a coach, the, the first thing you take that as is criticism. And now whether it's constructive or not. but So I think if you're the one going to somebody suggesting that they need a coach, whether you're going to do it, whether it's going to be an outside organization or someone else, I think you have to sort of understand that. and, and Put it in a way that um, you know we're here to help you. We want to make you better. You're, you know uh, you're not failing, uh, but you can improve. Discuss their goals, discuss their objectives, uh, and and see if they understand that they're not doing everything they need to do. But again, if you're the one broaching it, it's a little bit more difficult than if somebody comes to you and goes, "Hey, you know what? I, I think I need some help in some of these areas."
3: So then, if you have to talk to an employee or even a counterpart, a buddy of yours that you see that they keep stubbing their toe,
1: how do you tell them? Well, I th- again, I think you have to be really direct about it yeah. and, and try to do it in not in a non-threatening way. You know, if you go into somebody and say, hey, you're failing, you need a coach and you better get one really soon and you're not going to be working here anymore, I would suggest it's probably not the best way to do it. <laughs> well,
0: you know, you initially you had said, you know, let's not get bogged down in sports, but it... It's one thing comes to mind about, well, you got to tell them. We have a situation in Philadelphia in baseball where one of the players is not very passionate <clears throat> and not running the ball out and doing this. And the coach, the manager, sits him down and never tells him why he's sitting down. So, what kind of coaching is that? Yeah. You know, you've got to make it clear about why you believe they need help.
2: Well, sometimes it, it really comes down to making sure you're clearly identify the goal. And when you know what exactly what the goal is, it becomes a little bit less about the person. It becomes more about what needs to be done to achieve the goal. And that's where the coach sets the tone, helps monitor the progress, gives some clear-cut milestones that need to be achieved.
0: See, you know what's funny when you say that? Just think about how your work life is, is like inside your car. And which is bigger, the windshield or the rearview mirror? It's the windshield. And so on these situational opportunities where someone's making mistakes or their life balance or Rick's story, whatever, you're kind of looking in the rearview mirror and seeing how they've done what they've done. And then what you're really trying to do as a coach is to get them to look through the windshield and say, okay, what what can I do to help you going forward? And, And it may be going forward with a situation that's a problem that needs to be fixed, or I know, John, you're working with people right now where it's not so much a situation that you're trying to fix but it's an aspiration, it's a goal, it's an objective that they're trying to accomplish. But it's the same metaphor, really. It's like, look in the rearview mirror, see what's going on. If it's not working the way it could, then let's take a look out the windshield and help somebody do better moving forward. Bill, one of the easiest ways to coach
2: is if you have an aspirational player. You know, they already have an idea where they want to go. The real value in coaching, though, and the the coach that really achieves the greatest victory is the coach who has a situational... That's where the person doesn't
3: really want now, the coach, but they're getting a coach.
2: Exactly. There's a, there's a problem. Right. There's a situation that needs to be cured. Yeah. Well, when you jump into a situational coaching environment, and regardless of the goal, Or or achievement that you're looking for, but if you turn that person into an aspirational coaching environment, think about it. You've taken a situation and now you've converted this person's mindset to an aspirational coaching situation where they're looking out the windshield. What's the bigger picture? What are other routes that I can take? what are what are exits that i have not considered on this road that i can now clearly see now you've taken a situational coaching opportunity and turned it into an aspirational coaching opportunity
0: and you know what it's funny because we can't forget that some people give up some people have on their own tried and i don't i don't use the word the f word <laughs> failed but they just give up and say you know it is what it is and it might just need that spark of somebody saying to them like your scenario rick where you know it doesn't have to be this way i've done that job why don't we just talk about how we might approach doing some things differently could change
1: your world and a lot of those people they they don't know they need to coach yeah they don't really look at what they're doing closely enough to try to you know understand that maybe they're failing who wants to know that they're failing so uh, I, I had a guy that worked for me years ago, and I think the other part of this, if, if, if it's situational, sometimes against you know, your own better judgment, you gotta be really, really direct with people. So this guy wasn't doing well, and I called him in and, we were, I, was gonna, and I had a conversation with him. And in my mind, I covered everything uh, that I wanted to cover. To suggest to him he needed to do better. He wasn't doing a great job compared to the other people working there. He was behind. Blah blah blah. We got all finished, and I felt pretty good about the conversation. So he looked at me and he went, uh, "So we're good, right?" And I go, uh, "What? What do you mean we're good?" He goes, "You and me, we're good, right?" I said, hey, "If you're talking personally, I like you. Yeah, you're. Yeah, I mean you're a good guy. I, I enjoy working with you." He went, "Okay, but work-wise, we're good, right?" I said, were you here the last 20 minutes? That would be a no. right? right? (laughs) And he said, yeah, what are you talking about? And I I found, although I don't always like to do it, I said to him, listen, if I had to decide today whether you were coming back in tomorrow to work, I would decide to tell you not to come back in. And he said to me, well, what are are you talking about? (laughs) So I then sort of restated a little bit more directly what my issues were. And it ended up we had a really, really good conversation and he really understood, you know, what the problems were, the things that he needed to do, and it turned out, you know, at the end of the day, to be a good situation. But but sometimes you're not doing somebody a favor if you're skirting around the issues. I think you need to be direct about the problem, and and let them understand you're here to help them fix this. Well, that,
2: that's an interesting, you know, one of the focuses. And I know we talked about this maybe a little bit earlier, but. You have to be clear in the objective or the situation. I mean, here's a person that was going to walk out the room with a totally different perspective. Feeling good about (laughs) herself. Exactly. So, you know, I think the first tenet of coaching is really make sure that there is a
1: clear-cut objective goal that that person knows that they need to achieve. Well, if you don't do that, you're not doing them a service.
0: Yeah. So you're doing to a your, to your point,
1: sometimes that goal is rear view mirror and that
0: it, this has been happening and we've got to fix it. And in some cases, it's that windshield aspirational thing where we can't keep up unless you can do more. And you can't do more. You know, that saying about always do what you've always done, you always get what you've always gotten. Well, the platform's changing here. The expectation is more more that's like my wife she doesn't want much she just wants more how do we accommodate that unless we can help you do better what you're kind of missing right now that's why it's dramatic but and it's scary when we talk about uh, performance improvement plan uh, or there's just a lot of different names for the same thing but it means you know, you're know you in trouble and if we can't figure out how to fix it there's going to be consequences and the consequence has to be really clear. I've had people put someone on a performance improvement plan and not make it clear that in 60 days when we're at the end of the plan if this isn't fixed you're gone. And they went what? Yeah, It's like no, that's why we're doing this. Right. And the coaching pieces John, to you, in, in your examples, are those checkpoints, those milestones where we're gonna have more, this is not the only coaching conversation we're having. You, know? you and I are gonna agree on these milestones or checkpoints going forward, and if it comes up again, well, I haven't had time to do that, guess what? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Don't come in. Right. So if you're running a company, and you're having a, an employee that is
3: on a, a PIP or a just flat-out probation, whatever you want to call it. For that employer, is it their best interest to get a coach for that situation, for that person? Because I'd imagine if you're the manager, it's just more on your plate all of a sudden to take this person under your wing for the next 30, 90 days, how long it is. Like, what would you say to, what's the best I mean, practice? I,
1: I think it, <clears throat> if you're if you're there... You're at a point where you're, where, as Bill said, you're saying to somebody, "Listen, you got 60 days to fix this. Here's here's what you have to do." Uh, I don't know. You're going to get a coach who's going to help you get through that. Now, ideally, that person would be aware that they weren't, you know, uh, doing the things they needed to do, and either got coaching prior to that.
3: So the coach, <clears throat> the manager, or even the individual that realizes they need it, they should get a coach before it comes to
1: yeah, that would, end game yeah. situation. But I mean, they, they need to be. Made, made aware, you know, uh, maybe uh, 120 days out or six months out that it, th- this is not working. You know, you need to do a better job. Here's some things I want you to work on. But I mean, I don't know if you agree with this. When you give somebody a performance improvement plan, it's like, here's 60 days and these specific things have to happen.
0: And I've had people come out of performance improvement plans successfully. Really, I mean, there's one person, a woman that I'm thinking of right now, that was really struggling and she could have struggled for a lot of reasons. Product knowledge, uh, industry, market aware, all kinds of things. But you know, it, the reality was, her boss could be Rick, could be John, could be John JT is saying, "Look, you're behind goal now. If this is the third quarter, or third year, or whatever in a row. We're going to have to take this seriously. So we're going to put you on a performance improvement plan. You and I, you tell me you want to get together every morning for the first 30 days. We'll do that, or one, every Friday, or whatever. But this woman took it seriously. And at the end of the performance improvement plan, she had a real good handle on the behavior that she had to exhibit, the quality of the presentation she had to, whatever. And now she's a multi-million dollar producer. So it's not all about papering the file to blow somebody out. It's uh, as much, let's just try to fix this
2: and be a win-win. Well, it, it, look, when you're coaching, you're you know you have an investment. In that person, you bet, and they have an investment in in the company that they're with. You know, it's an it's a return on investment. Good coaching should do a couple of things. You know, one, you need to motivate that employee. Now, the motivation may be sixty days we're going to correct this, or or uh, there's going to be a problem, or it could be, you know, the proper motivation will yield better results. Whether it's compensation, promotions, recognition, whatever. The the other thing. Uh, a coach really has to do with that person is really sit down and explore the ideas and the solutions that need to occur for that person to achieve that result. And most importantly as a coach you then have to follow up and and know what the milestones are. Clearly communicate those and work with that individual to see that they're making progress or not making the desired progress. Another coaching opportunity.
3: So, if you're noticing that nothing's happening, is that something as a manager you just say, All right, I tried and that's it? Or is that something where you just go back to part one, back to the motivation again, and you just repeat that cycle until they have the aha moment and then you move forward with the training or the coaching? Well, that's
2: where you ask questions. You know, that, why isn't it working? <clears throat> you know, there's a lot of reasons why something may come off the rails here. And The better you understand that as a coach, the better opportunity you have to put that
0: performance back on track. You know, it's funny because you had mentioned a couple minutes ago and Rick responded really well. I thought to, you know, (laughs) how do you find it, do you find an outside coach, whatever. You know, I've had situations where one of the best coaches is a team member or you can set up a situation where the best way to learn is to teach and if I've got John who's really good at this particular aspect of the job and I've got JT who's struggling with it and I can say, why don't you guys work together? Maybe there's something, JT, that you're doing that you could help John with, but I know John could help you with X, Y, Z. And it's almost like an accountability partner then. And you don't get into so much of the hierarchy where it's like, oh God, now there's gonna be a note in my file that I do blah, blah, blah. The other thing is when we're talking about situational versus aspirational, sometimes a really good question from a coach will pull that situation out of a protege, a, a young person, like the example that I was telling you guys about, Mike, who's now being set up to tr- be transferred to a new territory, Wisconsin and Minnesota, and when I said to him, uh, how are you approaching looking for a place to live or whatever, and he's like, well, I looked at a couple of places, but I don't know, the neighborhood didn't see him, whatever, and looks like, well, who are you talking to, Out there that knows. I don't know anybody out there. I connected him with someone that's in Milwaukee every other week, and he's like ecstatic. He now has a coach that can help him where he should move to, what he needs to do, what a transition might look like. So that went from he didn't he didn't know what the solution was to find out it's an informal coach that can just give him feedback. On how he can set up goals, objectives, and how he makes the transition. This goes back to one of the
2: points that John brought up at the very beginning. How do you know if you need a coach? And you know, when does that light go off?
1: Well, again, I mean, you know, you may not know. Those are the situational coaches. You know, people just going along, thinking everything's yeah. fine. And as a manager you know, um, it, it's your responsibility to, to the person, to the company you work for, to do, it. because a lot of coaching can be difficult at times, and when you put someone on a performance improvement plan, it's not fun for anybody. But I think we all know somebody who got <clears throat> fired, and, and talking to them, you go, geez, well, well, what, what happened? And they go, and they're honest, I have no idea. I just got called in and fired. Well, everybody knows what it costs to hire somebody, and then what it costs to replace them. So if you're not gonna either coach them or get them coaching and, and really work hard at getting that done, you've fallen way short of your responsibilities, I think. I
3: cool. think it's interesting where for some of our, our listeners trying to wrap their head around the coaching idea. If you were back in high school and you're having trouble with math or something like that, you get yourself yourself a tutor to help you with the math. If you're in sports, you get yourself this is more a to B, you get yourself a coach to help you out with that aspect. Others, yep. if you're if you're in the bodybuilding or the self help or kind of, you get yourself a coach to go to the gym with you to help you. All right, you want to lift this way, hold this form, do that. This is really the same vein of that. This is just your professional life.
1: Yeah, and it shouldn't be perceived as a coach. Okay, I'm failing. I need a coach. Yeah, it's, it just makes yeah. you better. I want to do better, so a coach can help me think it's just a different perspective on it and a more positive perspective. You know, and
0: it, sometimes it's not a major aha, uh-huh, but it's, and to John's question earlier about does it, does, is it the manager, is it an associate, is it a peer, or is it an outsider that's going to be the better choice for a coach? Sometimes an outsider people will communicate a lot more freely with, and they will, their boss or mm-hmm. someone inside cuz it's like they're keeping score. I don't want to say I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Yeah. But an outsider somebody'll say, "You know, I just got passed over again." What? Right. You know, yeah, and apply. the outsider's like, "Well, what do you mean?" It's like, "Well, this is the third time that an opportunity has come up. They didn't even talk to me about it. Maybe we should talk about that." You right. maybe you're not doing some of the things that would help you be considered
1: in the future, right? And also, I think as uh, I think you're alluding to, the same thing said to the same person by a different person in a different way just resonates. Yeah, oh yeah. I've been in situations where, say, you know, like Bill would be coaching like one, one, of, one of my people, and he'd tell me what he said, and he said a light bulb went off, and I would say, I've told them that for the last six months. Why does it work? But it, who cares? As long as it's working, that's our goal—to make it work. So sometimes a different voice. Is really really you know, it's it's really funny. What's really
0: funny is we we talk about things and we try to capture them on the podcast. And Rick and I are going to be doing a uh, book report on uh, Patrick Lencioni's book, The Ideal Team Player. And it just reminds me of kind of a coaching moment where you have this aha. Uh-huh. I'm doing a, a a presentation a year ago and uh, it's about the ideal team player and there's 30 people in a big u-shaped table and we're talking about contributing to the team helping one another what can you do what are you willing to give and this one senior rep who's sitting off to my right at this u like three seats away from his boss says I I feel guilty because I don't give anything to the team. And it's like that was one of those aha moments where all of a sudden it clicked in his head I got a problem. I've got to do better. And what can I do to change my paradigm? And for him, whether it's a coach, me, his boss, a peer, that's a huge thing because now all of a sudden it's a solving a problem situation, but also as aspirational because he wants more out of what he's contributing to the
2: team. Let's change directions just a little bit here. I think this is a good opportunity for us to explore, you know, the coaching or mentoring role and some of the characteristics. Uh, you know, one of the most important things a, a leader can do is learn to coach his team or mentor his team. You know, when I look at mentor, if I look at mentor as an acronym, let's let's look at some of the things that, that that leader should be doing. Well, first we hit M. We need to be motivating and generating ideas. You know, again, whether it's situational or aspirational, you still have to motivate the person to participate in the activity. E would be the explore, explore ideas, solutions, and scenarios. Rick, you suggested recording your schedule for an entire week and and seeing how that might benefit that person's time management. The N in the mentor acronym would be notice that employee's response and the degree of commitment they have to the solution. This is going to tell you a lot. The T is going to be to theorize different uh, impacts and ideas with the options that are generated. The O in Mentor is to outline a plan. Know know what you have to do to achieve the result in the last. The R in Mentor is review. What's been accomplished? How are you operating against the outline? The ideas that have been presented and be able to really
0: rate the performance, rate the improvement. What do you guys think? I think one of the things that we have to kind of wrap that whole mentor acronym around is a T word, trust. They have to trust you. If, if there isn't a trust there, um, you know, I, I don't know that you can motivate anybody, but you can certainly provide the right environment for them to motivate themselves. But if they don't trust you, I don't, I don't know how you can do that. Well,
2: you know, that brings us to really what what techniques and, and, and characteristics should a coach have. Obviously, trust is huge, but you certainly have to have a positive attitude. You know, if you, you bet. bring somebody in and, and you have a look of doom and failure on your face <laughs> when you're talking to them, trust me, it's not going to work.
1: Yeah, yeah. yeah come and sit down and close the door. <laughs> yeah, that's what <laughs> cool we're to power start. Out of that person's <laughs> face no matter what the conversation. Well,
0: one of the things that you you've mentioned before is this whole idea of coaching, you you can't do as I say, don't do as I do. You know, you got to walk the talk. Otherwise, I don't know how you're going to coach somebody else. I mean, you that, know? That's the modeling, you know. You've you, got you, to model
2: it. You have yep. to model it. You either got to show it or you've got to be able to cite the examples
0: that show the behavior you're going yeah. to get. Ram Charan in the book Execution says in there, you're going to get the behaviors that you exhibit and you tolerate. And that's, I think, a big part of setting up your approach to coaching. Because for you to go in and try to help someone solve a problem that you already have and haven't solved... Forget it. I mean, there's no credibility there, let alone trust. So I think it really, you have to model it. Great point. The next step, you know, it sounds redundant,
2: but the next step is actually the coaching. You know, what's the coaching? You have to observe
0: the performance. You got to give feedback. You got to foster the improvement. Yeah, make suggestions. Um, It's really good if you can help them find the improvement points and some solutions or opportunities for solutions on their side of it. Telling right. is not selling, and this is sell- you're really selling here, you really are, you're selling that person on improvement. Well, this is, then, then comes the
2: requirement part of the equation. There has to be a requirement, you know, and that requirement
0: is to reach the expected behavior of performance. Like Rick's story about you know write down everything you do for the next two weeks. I was too busy. Well, <laughs> it's like okay, here's the requirement now. Don't it, come
1: in the next time. Right, and the worst part about that was that didn't saying that didn't bother him at all. It, 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 that was his reason. I was just too busy to do it. It's like that's why we're here.
2: <laughs> well, that that goes back. We 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 really come full circle here. You know, you've got to clearly understand what the objective is. This yeah, person maybe. didn't understand w- what the objective was, didn't perform the basic goal or, or, pardon me, action that you set up to achieve the goal. My goodness, they, they, they struck
0: out on the first pitch. Maybe I, mean, I probably should have Bill talked over that. <laughs> <problem. laughs> you know what's really funny, too, when you just think about if you're in a coaching situation, does the person that you're coaching have the ability to say no? because if they won't say no to you there's a good chance they won't say no to other people and let Rick's example you got somebody that's morning to night and whatever and you're saying you can't operate like that i mean your your productivity goes down because you're exhausted and you're spread too thin some of these things you've got to be able to say no i can't do it now how about if i do it and push it off and to the future so that you can do a better job of preparing or whatever some people just aren't comfortable saying no but if you can get them to acknowledge to you it's not just no and walk away it's like, I can't do that but I could do this and that's where I think you really want to get them so they don't see it all black and white well I need to get better and you're going to help me but I got to do it well, what can, what works for you well, that's part of
2: the exploration.
0: Yeah. You know,
2: and in the communication, is there a better method? It's terrific if the player comes up with an idea. It's like, well, you know, maybe not presenting you with a list, but how about if you travel with me for a day? You know, we all yeah. learn in different ways. Some are visual, some are auditory. So let, let's not assume that the way that you can relate best to is the way that that
1: candidate best relates to. And that no, I think, um, it, you know, it may be okay if somebody understands, yes, I can say no, but they also have to understand that your no may not be acceptable to me for what we're trying to accomplish. And if that's the case, we're going to talk about it, I'll explain to you why it's not, and we'll, we'll come up with something together that works for both of us. So we, should
0: we kind of create a model of a coaching, I don't want to say role play, but maybe we need a part two of the coaching podcast series now where we'll actually create a scenario and maybe have some word tracks and some uh, approaches that we could take in a couple situations in a separate podcast would that make sense absolutely sure.
2: i think you know we should we should maybe get very concrete in defining the role and the characteristics actually talking about the techniques reviewing the interactions and seeing what the key questions and takeaways are in a coaching situation
0: if we can get the folks out that are listening right now to have eyes wide open whether it's a manager a leader a supervisor or a doer someone that's going and doing the work every day if we can get them to have eyes wide open a little bit where where opportunities for me to help somebody else or where are opportunities for me to get some help and the goal really is learn grow be promotable make more money advance your career find a better job well whatever you especially in this environment now with uh, low unemployment everybody wants to do better I think or at least uh, there's opportunities out there you could seize if you were ready for it So maybe we do that next time. We set up a couple scenarios. We role play some things out, real coaching situations to give people real examples. What do you think, guys? Works for me. I'm ready. Sounds good. For the listeners that are out there right now, what steps can you take? Uh, Eyes wide open. What books can you read? I'll give you some examples and a context. Five dysfunctions of a team. If you're trying to identify an opportunity to get better, read Lencioni's book, Five Dysfunctions of a Team. You might have an aha. The Ideal Team Player, the one I spoke about earlier that Rick and I are going to be doing a book report on in the next week. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, Stephen Covey. Always uh, an opportunity. And there's one by Robert Early Johnson called Kick Your Own Ass. Excuse me. If you need to generate some motivation inside your spacesuit, you might want to grab kick your own ass Robert Early Johnson and uh, what we'll do is we'll put the the suggestions for, for reading in the show notes so that you can go on the website you can check it out and a fellow named Will Durant had said uh, and I thought it was pretty meaningful especially in this context we are what we repeatedly do So excellence then, it's not an act, but a habit. And that was a tip from a friend and client of mine, Lisa Torrey. So remember that. It's hard to change a habit. Covey used to say it takes 30 days to change a habit. The first thing is the habit you got to change is how you approach learning and growing and managing your career. That's it for now. For the Summit Club podcast team, Bill Statz, Rick Feinblatt, JT, John Novickis. Anything else, guys? Don't don't forget, if you have suggestions, if you have topics that you want to be covered, get up there on our website. Let us know. If we use it on the air, you get a t-shirt. And by the way, if you have a situation, a coaching opportunity, a question, uh, let us know. And uh, we'll include it in a future podcast. So... We're here to help you. Whatever it takes, let us know. See you next time. To learn more about the Summit Club podcast, please find us online at www.summitclubpodcast.com. The Summit Club podcast is recorded and produced by Inertia Marketing and Design, a full-service marketing, digital, and graphic communications agency. You can find them at www.inertia.marketing. Thanks for listening to the Summit Club podcast, and we'll see you at the top.